from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Wow. I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by our editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. It's me. It is indeed. And our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello. And very excited to welcome back this week, Ryan Raftery, the return of Ryan Raftery. We are so excited. We, we had you once. Well, actually, you've been on the show more than once. I think I, you, I physically you know, only been on the show once, but I think you've talked about me before. Oh, we well, talk about you. I every think you're week. up there with time with Alec Mappa for most <laughs> co-hosts. Wow! Oh, that is that's exalted company. Uh, Let's just put it this way: we've had you before, and we want you again. Well, I'm happy to be here. Uh, someday, I hope to graduate to being on air so in some capacity. Honey, this is uh, this is radio and the magic of, of Zoom. It's pictures too. That is true. That is true. Channel. I'm very happy to be here. I adore you all. This is a radio show. I'm happy to be had. You are the author of um, The Trial of Andy Warhol. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. It's actually a bit of a Warhol-themed show. But first, let's start the countdown. Number 10, Tom. Number 10. Okay, not to start things with a bummer. And I was talking to Fenton a little bit earlier offline today, you know, how we haven't talked about the elephant in the world, which is that the war is happening in the Ukraine, Russia, the offenders. And it's hard on a format like this where we're silly and we're talking about things quickly and we're being all opinionated to talk about it this quickly. But we just have to give props to, you know, was it Mr. Rogers? Again, this all sounds so trite, but, you know, when horrible things happen, look for the helpers. Well, look for the leaders. You know, horrible times also create amazing people. And the president of the Ukraine, uh, Zelensky, whose first name is Voldemir, right? Voldemir. Is just, I mean, I want you guys, everyone knows the backstory. He was the Jay Leno of, uh, you know, the Ukraine. And he did like the voice for Mr. Paddington. And now he's like in the streets, you know, in in combat gear and leading his country by example. It's really um, a remarkable thing to watch. It's not the time to talk about things being meta, but, you know, that's all I can really ever talk about. And he played as an actor the president of the Ukraine, right? Or the prime minister of the Ukraine in a drama. And he gets a call saying they've been accepted into the European Union. And he goes, fuck! Like that was a that was before he was president when he was yes, an he played the president, he was an actor. And then that led to him becoming the actual president. Right. Um, he is, you know, and, and I'm sorry to reduce it to this, but he's really, he's hot. He's just- Everybody- he, he's just you just love him and he's so he's he's the perfect person for the perfect time and he's inspiring and he's handsome and he's everything that the you know the ukrainian people are i the more you see these the the footage of ukrainians and how they're helping the russian soldiers and they're just they are just such good people and they're such beautiful people and kind people and it's just i have been watching three channels at once and scrolling all day, every, you know, all night, every night. And it's, I just, I, I love him. And I'm just, I, I hope, I, I hope that he makes it through this, you know? I know. I, I, he's, it's, I'm so frightened for him. I'm and frightened, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, sending thoughts and prayers. I do, you know, I am praying again. I went to bed the other night, just trying to calm my mind. I have, and I'm not watching a lot of news because I can't bear it. And I was just like mm. being grateful for the day and doing the little things I say in a very few minutes. And I thought, and, 
you know, and there might be nuclear war tonight, which I haven't thought of in a long, 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 long time. And I'm not to be a diva about it or a catastrophist, but it's like, it just puts everything in a different perspective. Ryan, what do you say? We always, we, we, you have to like, you know, break into this conversation. We're very. Oh yeah. I I didn't, I didn't know you wanted me to, but yeah, I mean, I, I've never been happier to be a clown. I've never been happier to be able to take people's minds off of it for 90 minutes. It's obviously horrifying. You cannot avoid the images if you have any sort of social media presence. And I don't think you should try to avoid it because this is how, you know, Nazism started. I mean, people turned a blind eye to it and, there are innocent people being killed. And I really and and I think that the sanctions that the United States are placing on Russia are unfortunately going to really have a, a, a strong um, impact on innocent Russian civilians. But when your government does things like this, I mean, they, uh, I think Putin is the type of person that will only understand force and will only understand aggression because violence is the language of the uncivilized. And I don't think that he's a very civilized person. So I think it's a necessary thing that has well, to happen. But unfortunately, I think the sanctions will only hurt the, the, the little people. And I think the oligarchs and the billionaires and Putin have enough offshore Swiss bank accounts and things like that, that they aren't going to be hurt by it. Well, so and also, I, you know, it's since, and not to tie it all back to Warhol, but in a larger sense of the art world, if you, I mean, Andy Warhol with, uh, in the 90s, obviously he was dead, but he changed the entire future of, of art at auction. I mean, in 1997, that, the, the Warhol auction was like the really catapulted us into the modern day art world that we're in now at auction. And that is, as many people know, this is a place where people buy um, with whatever, I don't know where their funds come from, but they hide their money from their governments. They, they, that, that's why we see such astronomical amounts of money being paid for paintings at auction because people are hiding their money from their governments. And yes, the, the rich people um, will probably not feel much of a strain from the sanctions, but, but the little guy will, which mm -hmm. sucks. But if you learn how to hit people in their pocketbook, that's where it really tends to affect change. Hmm. Yes. So pray for Ukraine and, and support them financially, the victims of the war, if you can. I think there's even a GoFundMe page for the Ukrainian army, I someone was telling me. I haven't found it yet. Did you see that? I don't know if it actually is a Banksy, but it's a it's a picture um, that looks kind of like Banksy did it. It's it's Putin standing with a pin sta about to prick oh, yeah. a, a balloon uh -huh. painted yeah. in Ukrainian flag colors. And then in the next frame, he's, he's, he's the one blown here. up the balloon. Right, the Ukrainian balloon is still there. It's it's a really powerful piece. It looks very Banksy, right? Yeah, and and the, and the exciting part is that uh, in the next week we're going to see. I mean, things are either going to escalate or de-escalate. They cannot keep going at the same rate that they mm. are right now. So mm. it's it's well, exciting I in a terrifying way. I did see in the Atlantic today they were saying prepare for ten years of 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 war with Russia and this type. It's going to be another Afghanistan situation. So, 
All right. Well, our present thoughts are with the people of the Ukraine and their amazing resistance to tyranny and uh, fascism and all manner of nastiness. We cannot, it won't, the, the end of Putin can't come soon enough. Um, let's move on to number nine. Number nine. I am obsessed with Search Party. Not I again, know. James. I feel like in some loop. <laughs> what? I've never talked about this before. How dare you? <laughs> Oh, you talk about Warhol every damn week, and I have to talk. I talk about a show once, and you're telling me again. I have never once talked about Search Party. I've never oh. watched it till this week. All right, I stand corrected. You certainly do. <laughs> I apologize, James, James. We have company. I'm yes. so sorry. I am lucky to be thousands. I'm of sorry. Away. I'm cranky. There's a bone saw chopping up a body next door to me. I'm in a bad mood. Okay? For the second time in your life. For the second time in your life. That's that's the most important part to illustrate. The, the bad mood. Search Party is an HBO TV series about an entitled group of millennial hipsters in Brooklyn who, hap- who happen upon a mystery of a missing girl. And things start spiraling from there, and bodies start piling up, and things go from from farce to farce, and it keeps getting going down different rabbit holes. And it is the most insane show I've ever seen. These people are so unlikable and so hateful and so funny that you can't help but love them for being so the horrible people that they are. And wow. there's this one character who is a uh, flamboyant gay at played by James Early and he feels like a caricature of myself <laughs> because like like sort of a Seth Seth um Seth what's his name Seth Green in Party Monster but transposed from the club kids to a, entitled hipsters and the whole first season in fact feels like a party monster ripoff it's very funny the way it all unfolds in sort of the same way as Party Monster. It, it and then different seasons feel like different other crimes. But um uh it's fascinating that these that this once again I'm just because I'm an entitled narcissist, I'm seeing myself in this entitled narcissist. And it's just it's the show is hysterical. It's five seasons. I'm on the fifth season and it um uh it's it's not Jeffrey Self is in that, right? Jeffrey Self? Je- Jeffrey Self, Drew Drogi, uh Sam Pancake. Um there's really great cameos by John Waters, Susan Sarandon, Busy Phillips. Everybody has parts in it and it just keeps every season just gets crazier than the season before. I think it, it started off on TBS way back when and I watched a little bit of it and now everything of course is is a uh, streaming and screaming so i have to uh, i have to make it a point i have to sit down with my hbo it is it is the pitch blackest humor i have come across in an american television show yeah i i i am so sorry james but it's so weird i we have talked about it some (laughs) not you obviously i would like blake after the show to go through the uh archives of the Wow Report mm. and pull up the time that James talked about. I don't. I am it. walking off if no, you guys no, are no, no. telling me that I've talked about it before. I have never watched the damn show I as, think it is, as a subject. It, uh, I think has been talked about. That's all. And there's no That's very likely. That's very likely. Probably not, James. 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 Probably not by James. I, I will wager. I will bet. 
Uh, a, a pair of slippers. You will buy me the slippers if you can find me this this thing. You will buy me those Stubbs and Wooten slippers if I you can find a. Cop. I have to buy if you those slippers. About if, this, I, if we've talked about search party. If I have any hope of being rehabilitated by you, I have to buy those slippers regardless, right? Wow. I think it's pretty clear. Okay. Um, and now, feel free to heckle as I go <laughs> on to number eight. Number eight. Uh, Ryan, welcome back. Um, the last time you came on, the trial of Andy Warhol had not opened. It has now opened. You it's were running, very, yeah. very kind to slip me the script because I'm unfortunately not able to see it on its run in New York. But I read the script. I absolutely loved it. It made oh, me laugh. You. It made me cry. And it's so clever. And it is about the trial of Andy Warhol. So uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One is you were served a cease and desist. By the Andy Warhol Foundation. I sure was. WTF. I know yeah, last Friday. Was... Yeah, they, oh, I found out at four o'clock last Friday and um, the, the public theater where my show is playing, uh, their legal department got involved and they said, you know, you have, you're projecting images of Andy Warhol's work in the show and that is copyright infringement. And I said, but isn't that a part of like, if it's clearly parody, isn't that protected under the fair use clause in the first amendment? They said, no, it isn't. So they, they, I could have done, I could have fought it, but that would have just incurred a lot of, you know, time and money. And so we just took it out. And luckily I have a, a friend of mine who's an artist who lives in Los Angeles who created a bunch of obvious fakes because they needed to be obvious fakes yes. in order to go into the show. But in order, but so it, because they had to be obvious fakes, we got to do some fun stuff with it. So we just like, Instead of the the famous Liza um, Warhol silkscreen, we did like an older, not so glamorous Liza. Um, that was kind of funny, and we had everything ready. Like, so I had a, um, I, we got the season desist on Friday at four o'clock, and my next show wasn't until Monday night, and we had everything done and ready to go by Sunday morning. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. Bravo! That's what they call art. You're an artist. You you when they when they shove you in a corner, you say, "Okay, well, I'll hunch over and I'll do it that way and still make it come through." Probably yeah, that's the great thing about live theater. You know, I mean, every, every, it's um, it's not like a film we put out that we had to, to go back and right. change. Like it was, it's a living, breathing thing that can change on a dime and, and often does. Like I mean, people have come back several times to the show. I'm I'm very fortunate that I have a couple of diehard. Uh, fans that come to not just every production but every single performance of every wow. show and they sit in the same seats and um yeah they um she one of them is a woman and she was very very excited she goes oh it's so exciting that things change like she gets she'll like reach out to me on social media and she gives me notes after every single <laughs> I, I love, love that she's like this, <laughs> she's like this part was different but I like this part I like this part better and like oh your voice sounded better on this song than the other one and then and of course, I read it because I, like the rest of us, are I'm a yes. Does she have, are her notes good? Be honest, are her notes good? Her notes are um, detailed. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I've ever taken any of her notes, but she does tell me what she likes better than others, which I find I, I'm very entertained by it, and I'm very flattered. Yeah. You know, she's not she's not dangerous or um, scary or anything. She just well, not yet. Not I do yet. want to ask you though. <laughs> This cease and desisting, a naive question, I suppose. You know, like Andy Warhol, the Brillo soapbox, that was someone else's work. The Marilyn Monroe portrait, that was someone else's work. Campbell's soup. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is an artist whose reputation rests to some extent on not really recognizing copyright. And so it doesn't it seem a little rich that the foundation is so vicious or mm, aggressive, I suppose. Especially, you know? yeah, well, I understand that they exist for this reason. Like the, the, the Warhol Foundation was set up in Andy Warhol's um, will to give money to artists, which they do a lot. So they do a lot of very good work supporting up and coming artists. Um, but the other arm of the foundation so used to do exactly to this. Like they were they were the ones who were on set when Mary Harron made um, I Shot Andy Warhol. They were on set waiting for them to cut. Then as soon as they were done filming those, they were there to destroy those paintings. And when they did the Warhol, uh, I'm sorry, the Halston documentary on Netflix, if you remember that, if you're a Warhol fan, you could see that those were not very great copies because they have to be obvious fakes. They cannot be close to the originals. So even to the, you know, pseudo trained eye, you can tell that they are fakes. Even in the hues that they use, like Andy never used pastels. Like, and so a lot of times when you see fake Warhols, they're in pastels. So though your average person on the street would be like, oh, that's an Andy Warhol, but it's not. But if you also know the story about the Prince, um, the Prince portrait of, you know, the, the musician Prince Rogers Nelson, like the, the image Andy used was copy was a copyrighted image and they were sued and that's why we don't see that painting that often and, and and fenton if you remember from my script there's andy only monologues once in the show and he talks about how picasso famously said good artists copy and great artists steal and andy was famous for walking around to people saying do you have any ideas i can't think <laughs> of anything today like Andy yeah. said it to everybody. And and if you believe the legend, it's um the where he got the idea for the Campbell soup cans was from his friend Muriel Latow, who he paid who he asked for an idea. She said, Andy, you're constantly asking me for ideas. If you want an idea for me, I want money. He wrote her a check for fifty dollars and she said, Paint something people see every day, paint what you had for lunch, and Andy painted Campbell soup. That's where the he worst got the worst deal ever made. Fifty dollars. Uh, one soup can sold for eleven point one million dollars. I think. Yeah. It was. Well, you know uh, the story about the um, the guy who um, Ivan was it Ivan Karp or I forget the guy who ran the Ferris Gallery in 1962 where they first showed the um, the all soup, soup cans. cans. Yeah, Sorry? it's out on the West Coast, right? The first um, place, it's on. Uh, his it, the son is the great horror movie director. Uh, Irving, Irving Blum is his name. There you go. Right. And um, he he was the first gallerist to show the Campbell soup cans. They sold three of them. One went to Dennis Hopper. And then the the gallerist was sitting there staring at these. They weren't shown the way that they're shown now at the at the moment. They were like literally Andy wanted them on an eye level shelf around yeah. the gallery. Long story short, the gallerist was so thunderstruck by the piece because it was so different from abstract expressionism that he went and he bought the three back that sold. And then he said to Andy, he said, Andy, I think that these should stay as a set. And I think these are going to be in a major museum someday. And Andy said, I'll sell them to you for $1,000, but you have to promise never to break them up. So he bought them for 1000 And then in 1997, he sold it to the MoMA for $15 million, which, I mean, it, it is literally the definition of priceless art. If you were to ever sell that set of paintings, it would Honey, it, if I was, would I wouldn't be here right now. I can yeah, assure you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't be able to put a price tag on it. It would be that it would it, just the Amazing. cultural impact, what they mean, the retinal image of them, like everything about them is just so, so important. I get, I mean, I live here in New York 
and I've been to the MoMA so many times. Every single time I see, I turn the corner and I see those, those, those 32 Campbell soup cans together. I just get such a rush of emotion. Yes. I literally get a high off of it. They are surprising. You know, one of the things that we said about Andy Warhol, he was a machine. He was heartless. He was cold. I see the work. It moves me to tears. Me it, whereas I can look at a dozen religious paintings of horrible things happening and I'm completely like, yeah, well, next. But the, something about, I don't know, it's the magic of painting. Let's go on. Ryan, stay with us. Um, sure. We have many more things to come and a few Warhol things. Um, and, oh, by the way, congratulations, Jessica Chastain, on her SAG Award win. Fingers crossed for the big, for the big O. It does seem like she's got a little momentum, doesn't she, Move, going into it? No, man, but I don't want to jinx it. So I should yeah, eyes and Sammy Faye. I think yeah. just us plugging her on the WOW report could put her over the top at the Oscars. You know what? I think so. I'm excited because I think it may be – I mean, her performance is amazing, and maybe people are beginning to recognize the seriousness with which Tammy Faye should be taken, I think. You know, I think she's a very powerful, influential, important figure. Oh, Blake, have you got a question? I do have a question. It's daylight savings time coming up on March 13th. We're going to – Already? Yep, we're going to forward. forward. What industry lobbied for an extension of daylight savings time when we fall back from October to November? So they want to what? Stay falling back or stay? They wanted to move when we fall back from October to November. What industry was this? All righty. We'll have the answer for you right after the break here on the Wow Report. <laughs> You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Uh, Fenton here with James St. James, Tom Campbell, and Ryan Raftery. Yeah. Play the child of Andy Warhol is currently at Joe's Pub in New York City um, next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. They're the remaining performances, right? Yeah, Saturday is sold out. Well, then Tuesday and Wednesday, get on with it. Wednesday, come and see us. Excellent. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we had a question from Blake before the break. Yeah, with Daylight Savings Time coming up uh, on March 13th, we're going to spring forward. I asked, what industry lobbied to get Congress to move Daylight Savings Times when we fall back from October into November? What industry wanted to change that? Farming well, industry. What? Isn't it the farming industry? I would say, yeah, I was going to say the farming, yeah. But is it an industry? I guess. I, I don't say know. Say the Starbucks industry. Car industry. I can say the car industry because people driving and having crashes. I don't it's, know. it's the candy industry because oh. of trick-or-treaters on Halloween. Oh. So if you move it into November, then you still have the extra hour of daylight for trick-or-treaters. More and, candy and- to be handed out. Right. No, big candy is behind the the big candy. big candy. We're counting down top ten things that made us go wow. We've reached number seven. Number seven. I'm coming back. <laughs> number seven. I'm going to take over for Tom, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Blake's crafting corner. Well, this is just fascinating. I just this can't like, wait for this. <laughs> at the beginning of a recurring segment. Go, Blake, go. Well, during quarantine, my best Judy, my roommate, Stephen, started cross-stitching. And 
He's made several cool pieces. He's been working on this huge uh, Voynerovich photo of the cod piece. No, can I interrupt? It's a Maplethorpe photo. Maplethorpe, that's what I'm It's huge. And while we're talking, I hope you're listening because I asked if I could buy that and he just won't, he won't engage with me. It's not done yet. He's still working on it and it's probably only a third done because this is huge. Well, but but, 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 but to to Fenton's point, I remember asking Stephen if he would do uh, uh, Keith Haring Radiant Child for me for a satay that I have and he won't engage with me either. He won't (laughs) say yes and he won't say no. So I think that he's he can, he has this opportunity to make all. We're throwing money at him, and he's just and, like, eh, I don't and need he it. knows I don't care. that Ryan and is going to write a play about him, and he's going to become a hugely famous artist, and he's going to get millions. Right? <laughs> I know, I know Stephen very well. I could easily write that show. Fenton <laughs> James, are you guys familiar with the block feature? On social media, oh, and oh, <laughs> <laughs> getting your messages is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, he has been selling a few pieces and making pretty good money. I need a sign. They are absolutely stunning. They're beautiful. They are great. If you follow him on Instagram, you see really the work are. that he puts in. It's spectacular. May I ask a dumb question? Cross stitching is what? Is it is it down low and like this, or is it more up and down? Or how does how do you make a cross stitched thing? I don't know. You don't watch him <laughs> do it? But we can, I mean, also, we can we can extrapolate this. We can extrapolate this um, topic to Warhol again in Bridget, of course, who famously would needlepoint the New York Post headlines and yep. sell them for lots and lots of money. That's great. Well, anyway, I started. You know, he started doing this, and I don't want to do the same thing he does. But I've been trying to pick up a craft. Okay. So I tried macrame. And I like it, but I feel like I need to, like, take a class to learn, like, more. I only know, like, one knot, and <laughs> it's getting kind of boring. <laughs> Are you so making plant holders and, and, like, hippie clothes? No, I really just like the wall hanging. Oh, no, Blake, I think we should teach elocution classes. What's that? <gasps> Genius. <laughs> you can teach people how to talk like you. Oh, well. It'll be like a reverse My Fair Lady. Yes. <laughs> My fair Blake. Uh, well, what, what, what? So you're not doing macrame now? I gonna... am doing some, but I'm still on, you know, my path to find the craft for me. Oh I'm God. doing a sewing sewing class at LACC in April. Fun. It's over five Saturdays. I'm going to give up Saturdays, get up in the morning, and go learn to sew. Um, also, Lakeith, who used to work for us. Yes. I saw on Facebook, she just bought this like gun thing that you can make rugs with. Oh, yes. And I was like, look, I'm like a very beginner. I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, no, I mean, I don't really know how to do this either. But as long as you have a steady hand, you can do it. So I might be getting this rug done. I well, think the also rugs, looming. Yeah. I imagine being a loomer, it would be probably very well, like. And the problem with that is, I have a small house, and me and Stephen both live there with a dog. I don't have room to have a big loom. <laughs> you know? Does so of an evening? Does Stephen sit down 
doing it, needle pointing. I imagine it's a bit like the heiress with Olivia de Havilland, where every night she sits. I think it sounds more like Grey Gardens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing seeing Blansky on the Gilded Age myself. (laughs) I'm now watching YouTube videos of cross stitching. It's it's very tiny. It's very low down. It's very stitch, 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 stitch. It yeah, would be you kind have... of cool to come over with a camera and film you both doing your crafts, mm-hmm. like just chatting together and crafting. Well, I mean, I not... imagine it, there is sort of a meditative quality to it, though, like like Mr. Pearl, you know, beating the Lee Bowery outfit. He sits and... there and just watches television and does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can follow it... him on Instagram at, at gaythreadart. And does he draw the picture onto the fabric he, first before he, he has some um like some program on his iPad that he like traces it onto mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. from the iPad? That's how you get the detail? Yeah, it's like right. a laser thing. But yeah. that Maplethorpe piece he's doing it is it is a crotch shot right of a of leather pad, leather trousers, and a big cub piece. I mean, it's, it's an absolutely spectacular photo. And I just think the idea of doing it in needlepoint is just so brilliant. We've talked about you getting it. So we'll, as soon as he's done with it, I'm sure you'll be one of the first to know. But, and I'll keep you updated on my um, arts and crafts. Maybe it'll help you. Much like Warhol, Stephen came to Blake and said, what should I do? And Blake said, give me $50 and I'll tell you. And Blake said, just do what you know Cross stitch the last thing you masturbated to, and that's where this all came. And uh, fifteen million dollars later, yeah, I tell you, we're all in the wrong business. All right, let's go on. Number six, James. Number six. I watched West Side Story, which um, uh, Steven Spielberg's new version, twenty twenty one, that dropped this week on both Disney Plus and HBO Max. And it is getting suddenly people who were uh, adverse to going to the theater to watch it. Everyone on social media seems to be gushing about this. It is absolutely spectacular. If you haven't watched it, even if you hate musicals, you can appreciate the the mastery. This is one of Spielberg's absolute best, which is hard to say in a career of Spielberg. It really is. It is like one of his. He's always said he wanted to do a musical. And he's he does it in such scope the, the scope of this it, the, the 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 photography the cinematography the the cameraman just these swooping shots all around New York and everybody is dancing and the color and the costumes and the you know the songs we know all the songs and the performances by Rachel Zegler as Maria uh, who is nominated I think and Ariana DeBose is Anita. Um, I like to be an amatic. Um, they're both amazing, but the one who really steals the show is Mike Feist, a Broadway performer who should have gotten a nomination. He plays Riff. He is unbelievable. Even Ansel Elgort, who is like a lump of potatoes, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not wild about him. But he, uh, the timber of his voice when he sings that first song, um, "Something's Coming." Uh, that one, and it, the, the, it keeps going up and up and up, and it just it gives you goosebumps. It's so amazing, yeah. It's so to see it in the theater because I have to admit I watched it on a tablet, you know. And I said, uh, well, no, you yeah. can't watch a musical on a tablet. That's just you can't well, do especially, that. Especially, yeah. No. I mean, the, the, you're you're right, James. Like the cinematography, it's just so beautiful. 
to look at. And Steven Spielberg only works with like camera top of the top in every field. But I, I, yeah, yeah, I thought Ansel Elgort was okay, but I thought Mike Feist was by far the best. Unbelievable! Just so, just in, in the. I'll tell you something. Those Jets, boy, they are some cutie patootie Mm. little. I mean, sharks too. The shark that Bernardo and Chino too, the one that she's supposed to be with Maria is supposed to go be on the date with. Yeah. He's like a Latino uh, Matt Damon. He's just so yeah. cute. He's very, very hot. So I've I, seen it pop up on social media a lot this week. Now I understand why. And somebody posted, I think on Twitter or whatever, but it was just like, you know, with all the advertising for West Side Story, they never showed this shot. This shot alone will get people to watch. And it's the tracking shot where they go into the gym where the dance is. Yes. And they're all running down a hall. And then you see them go into the dance. And then all the walls must have disappeared because the camera just flies over it's, everyone. Yeah, that, that, that dance scene at the high school at the school is unbelievable. Yeah, it makes my it's hair so stand up, just that little clip. Yeah. And, and the choreography of Justin Peck, like, I mean, what what a huge task to re choreograph a show that everyone knows the choreography to that is so incredibly iconic but he did a great job and you know there, there people were saying you know like why would you mess with a masterpiece or why would why would you need to redo what something that is already a masterpiece but it feels fresh it feels so you know the 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 topics of the you know the racial tension and even the the gender queer girl uh yeah uh, anybody's or, yeah yeah uh, so much of it is is so relevant to to right now, and it just feels like a complete reinvention of something that it feels very needed. and And nice. I was just blown away, blown away. Nice, amazing. Oh, hmm. number. Yeah. Don't watch it on your on your iPhone, please. Yeah, no, that needs theater, to be seen on right? the big screen. Did watch you see it in the theater, Ryan? Sorry, did you see it in the theater? I did. I saw. I was on the SAG nominating committee, and I nominated. Um, I, I I pushed for Jessica Chastain. I thought that her performance was so incredibly moving. But um, for the SAG, the SAG nominating committee, we saw it. We were the very first audience, and I think America to see it on the big screen, which was really exciting because I, I it was such a hugely anticipated event. <clears throat> and um, just from the beginning, when you just hear the like the whole audience started applauding and. It was really, it was a really special, and, and Sondheim had just died. Like, oh, so yeah. it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was, about I think that. he had died two days prior to seeing that movie. So when his name came up on the screen, everybody was applauding. I thought it was, I thought it was very, 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 very well done. But I, yeah, one, my favorite I mean, number I, I is the, my favorite number is the Officer Kripke, which is just, it is so, it's just so funny. And it's yeah. just, it's the Jets in the police station. It's just making oh, yeah. fun of police. Do you know, wait, so, so do you, here's a really very fast little story. When, um, you know, Sondheim uh, didn't want to do, uh, he didn't want, Sondheim always wanted to just write um, lyrics. And, you know, he, uh, he got convinced by Oscar Hammerstein to do Gypsy. He's like, do Gypsy. You'll learn how to write for a star because Ethel Merman owned the rights to it. And then when um, he couldn't pass up an op- opportunity to work with Bernstein, so they were working at, they were working on it all together. And then finally, when the, when they were done, Bernstein said to Sondheim, he goes, you know, like, we should really adjust the points on the royalties. Like, so much of this was you. He's like, you know what? No, it's fine. It's I'll, oh, I'll just take God. the... Because he did, he did, like, uh, with a lot of the melodies, and he did uh, contribute a lot more musically than someone else who might have just only written the lyrics. And he said to Leonard Bernstein, he goes, no, it's okay. You don't have to adjust the points. And if he would have, it would have been 
tens more tens of millions of dollars more in his lifetime. I think Sondheim did okay for himself. Stephen Sondheim end, did a okay for himself. <laughs> yeah. I just love that story. I don't think he was he was uh yeah. Yeah, we'll go see Bean. West Side Theater in West Side Theater, West Side Story in a theater, in a theater. right? Theater. But it is, it, like I said, it's also streaming now on HBO and Disney. And if you have a nice big screen and turn the lights down low and turn the music way up high, it's it's almost like being there. Maybe that's what your neighbors were doing, building a, an at-home cinema experience. Ooh. Oh, maybe they were just watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. <laughs> That'd be hot, too. Number five. Number five. Ryan, I wanted to tell you about this. I went to see a play here in London. Because, um, you know, COVID's over. No one's wearing masks and what have you. And um, the collaboration. Wow, is, you saw it? I saw the collaboration. It's by Anthony McCartan, who wrote Bohemian Rhapsody and um, The Two Popes. And it tells the story, it's a play, it tells the story of Warhol and Basket's collaboration. And Warhol is played by Paul Bettany, who, was, of course, was in WandaVision. And uh, Jeremy Pope plays Basquiat. And it's incredible. It's really good. Is it? It is. I mean, it's so interesting. The thing, I think his Warhol is really good. Uh, his Warhol is very, very talkative, which yeah. is, you know, you know, you kind of... It's a stretch. Well, it's it's suspension of disbelief, isn't it? It's right. theater, darling. My show, my, Andy <laughs> sings and dances in well, my they, show. Yeah. <laughs> But yours is always very cleverly making nods to that. And I think, you know, I I suppose if they kept on doing, I don't know, they didn't do it. But um, one of the sort of pieces of the story was, Basquiat, of course, was friends with a young graffiti, black graffiti artist called Michael Stewart. Mm -hmm. And James, I'm sure you remember this story. I remember. not. He was beaten up by the cops, caught graffitiing in the subway in... Was it 85? It was, I thought it was 85. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely remember. Yeah. I remember I'd literally just gotten to New York and and um, Madonna did a benefit for him at Danceteria and they did fundraising at Pyramid. And that story, that Basket was friends with him and that story of the police beating and Michael Stewart died, I think, 13 days yeah. after his horrible yeah. assault by the police. It was just... I was just just in I was just crying. It was so powerful. And Basket in the play, Basket is painting this painting because he believes that he can bring him back to life. Oh and wow. that his approach to art was very much about magic. And of course Warhol was the opposite of that, in that it's a factory and I'm a machine and, right. and what have you. But I, I was just curious what you thought about their collaboration because the, the play was exploring the idea that Warhol exploited Basket because Warhol was, God, he was only 50 something, but yeah. at the time was considered to be a washed up artist and Basket was a hot new thing. And so in the collaboration, Warhol was seen as the vampire doing his thing of exploiting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, well, and you have it in your place. So what do you think? I do. And, and in my, in my, in my show, when Warhol and, um, you know, because you've read the script, when Warhol and Basquiat are painting in my script, it's set to Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande's Rain on Me. And it's, and in my show, it's Paint With Me. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, Andy is constantly painted as a vampiric kind of like, you know, like a like thief of ideas, which he was honest about. He liked, he liked the idea of like asking people what to do. 
but I feel like with their relationship, obviously, I know James, I know, I think you, you knew both of them, or at least you met both of them, didn't you? But I, um, but there, I think Andy really took on like an avuncular kind of like, almost like a father figure to him. And I think that Andy was in my show, like I know this, well, it's my research, like, you know, Andy took a Polaroid of the two of them, a selfie with his camera. And then Basquiat left and came back two hours later with that, with a painting. And then Andy was like, you did this in two hours. And to your point, Fenton, Andy always wanted to be a machine. And he was, and even when he met Paloma Picasso, he was always like, how long did it take your dad to finish a painting? He, Andy liked speed. He liked the idea of churning things out quickly. So when he met Basquiat, who did such a brilliant painting in two hours, I think he was, he became very interested in him. And also it's important to remember at this point in Andy's career, he had not painted by hand in a long time. He had only been silk screening. And then after their collaboration, which Andy did start painting, Andy did the Last Suppers and he did a lot of other hand painting um, prints and paintings after that. And I think that Basquiat ignited that kind of fire inside of him that reminded him of being like a young artist and well i was I just gonna say you know my favorite warhol are the 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 shoes and the cats and the fairies and, and i love 50s. i love yeah. the 50s stuff i think that's that's where my passion goes now with warhol well that's what something people that's something people forget about him is that he was an he was an extraordinarily talented drawer he could draw yeah. things very 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 well and even Rob Lowe, who, like, you know, he was in the press a couple of weeks ago talking about how he went to dinner with Andy. Andy liked Rob Lowe for obvious reasons in the 80s. And they went to a restaurant where, you know, they had like the the table, the like a table, not a tablecloth, like paper tablecloth where then they gave you crayons so you can draw. And Andy said to everyone at the table, like, all right, everybody, I want you to draw a picture of a pussy. And then like everybody that's and then like Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe drew like some anatomically correct kind of crayon drawing of a woman and then um they all revealed their paintings and andy had drawn a cat yeah. and he did and, and he was obviously doing that on purpose but then rob Lowe was going to ask to take it because andy signed it and then andy said everybody has to sign their paintings that's what artists do and then they left it there and then it's it, it became known that some i don't know if it was the uh, maitre d or someone but that that sold for $1.3 million. Oh, Holy wow. Shit. There you go. Yeah, from, from that, because Rob Lowe's is on it too. So they were able to track the provenance of it and it sold for $1.3 million. Well, this, um, the collaboration, this play is now being made into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, I think it's the same cast and the Didn't director. Did he play um, Warhol once before though? Didn't Wasn't he like in? Not that I know of. No, but but Andy, it is it is really interesting. Like when you see people, like I've had a lot of people come to my show who knew him well. I don't know if you know who Vincent Fremont is, but uh, Vincent Fremont came to the show on Monday night, and he brought his whole family backstage, including his daughter, who's Andy's godchild. And I said, you know, how did I do? And he goes, well, he's like, you obviously took a lot of liberties, like with the singing and dancing part. But when the show opens, the first ten minutes, it's like it's it's the exact Andy that everybody remembers like the monosyllabic syllabic responses and the like, you know, like the, just like sitting there and staring. I, I wanted to give the audience that experience of the Andy that they remember. But if you do your research and you look around at like, there's a lot of footage of Andy, like at studio 54, like being interviewed on his way in. And he's, he was talkative. Andy Patty Cathy. Yeah. yeah exactly. Talks about that. Yeah. The, uh, Million yeah. dollar question. Do you think he and basket did it? What? 
I know that I, you told me you told me that there is a rumor about that. I have a very hard time believing that. I, I have a wrong, yeah. I have a hard time believing that because Basquiat famously smelled terrible, yes. and Warhol was a germaphobe. And... Yes, but Susan Malik, who was <laughs> Basquiat's girlfriend for a while, I someone has told me that he Basquiat came home to her and said, "Guess who I just fucked." I will believe I that. I, I believe that he, he Warhol got his penis out because Warhol got I'm everybody's sure. penis out. That's but why Andy loved Victor Hugo so much because Victor Hugo would bring all these guys the, back to, to the cock books. Yeah, yep. sure. Well, and the, the piss paintings. Yeah, I and the piss personally, paintings. I think are the most brilliant things. But, I do know. too. I love that. Okay, so it's James. You don't think it happened, right? Yeah. Ryan, I don't think so. I don't believe it. Tom. Care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Jeez, hard room. Um, <laughs> let me let me just tell you this: that Christmas is coming early this year. RuPaul, dozens of drag race stars have a special gift just for Wow Presents Plus subscribers outside of the U.S. Our holiday delight: the bitch who stole Christmas. Available to stream now. On Wow Presents Plus. Because uh, you need Christmas in March, right? What a great um, title. Just go to wowpresentsplus.com. All right, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Um, we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. We're here with Ryan Raftery, author and star, I should say, of the uh, amazing The Trial of Andy Warhol, which is well, you know, it should be made into a movie. Can't wait for that. I Let's, would love that. That would be incredible. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. I, I, um, if only I knew some people who could make that happen. I know. I think I might. And if only you knew point. someone with a theater in Los Angeles to bring it out to Los Angeles. Yes. yes. On the boulevard. We are available. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. To be continued. We will carry on with the countdown. We've reached number four. Number four. Every now and then, we talk about this all the time, someone passes away who you had no idea their passing would affect you so deeply. And it was a deep cut, and it was the beautiful Tova Borgnine. Oh, I didn't know she died. I love Tova. Ryan, do you know who Tova Borgnine is? That's why. Is she related to Ernest Borgnine? She was his last wife. Ernest had been married like five times, including infamously very shortly to Ethel Merman. They married in 1972 and were together for like 40 years until he and passed. And she's away. just a beauty. She was just a beautiful stunner. She wow. was a stunner. And she was the kind of, she, she was devoted to Ernest Borgnine. She, who is, by the way, a very wonderful actor and awarded actor. And we sort of make fun of him in, in, in hindsight, but he was the real deal. He was real Hollywood, real acting from New York and all that. But Tova came onto my radio, my, my scope, through selling her Tova beauty. Well, yes, her beauty line. Yes. On QVC. Now, she's uh-huh. 80 years old. In 2019, she was the number one fragrance on QVC. Think about that. Think about at 70. She's like Elizabeth. She's beat Elizabeth Taylor. And this is the, right. She would do her things. She was elegant, as you can imagine. She was very, very, very elegant. Yeah. Oh, no, I've heard, I've heard of that fragrance. Yes. Yeah. And she has, um, and she would do her hair very, she had like sort of little short red do. And in the, in the last year, she's had like, like 
bright red, red, yellow, copper, red, yellow, blonde, red, yellow, copper. It was Whoa. like really, but she was gorgeous and she never said anything wrong. And she would present by spraying the fragrance, like, like you, like the ozone would just be depleted wherever she was, but it was because it was so good. And <laughs> selling fragrance on television mm-hmm. is one of the last great art forms. Because you, uh, you just you can you can riff about the notes of sandalwood and vanilla with an undertone of citrus and but, go on for hours and hours and hours. It really is like this little thing of who you are and romantic. And I think it's you all have to be of, of the nineteenth century. Yeah, you know, Arnie and I when we went Mom, to I'm so in, I'm so impressed with your presentational. Oh, Tom is really good. Tom could do QVC or HSN 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Is that a snow globe? What is that? This is just some, um, I don't do a jar of jelly. Everybody does. It's a Yankee candle. I think scented candles are disgusting. And I think Toba Borgnine's fragrance might be disgusting, but I loved her. And two of my favorite QVC hosts who are no longer there, people who know, um, Kathy Levin, the original great host. And Lisa Robertson, who still sells things uh, on her website and Facebook, she got out of QVC that are known, both wrote the most beautiful tributes to uh, to Tova. And I just it just shocked me. Like she is the last of a generation of of people that were in Hollywood. She was self-made, she was married, she wanted to be an actress, but she ended up applying makeup. She divorced her husband, she moved to Vegas, she met Ernie, and she made this fortune for herself and was the most wow. devoted queen to her king, Ernest Borgnine. So rest in perfection, Tova Borgnine. Wherever she is, heaven smells beautiful, like Tova Knight. Mm-hmm. Rest in perfume. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Number three. I am reading a book, The Mud Club, a history of the seminal punk new wave club in New York from 1978 to 1982. It is written by uh, Richard Bach, who we are having on the podcast, the Nightlife podcast. Basquiat DJed there, right? Yes, Basquiat DJed there. Anita Sarko got her start there. Johnny Dinell got his start there. Howie Pyro got his start there. Opening night in 1978 was a little-known band called the B-52s, and they charged 52 cents to get in. Um, It was... it, you know, at that time, there was Studio 54 uptown and there was CBGB's downtown and CBGB's was just performance. And this was more art orientated. And they would have like William S. Burroughs would come in and read to the audience. And, you know, Allen Ginsberg and Iggy Pop would do performance pieces and everybody would sort of, you know, th- there were people who went back and forth. Debbie Harry, obviously, Grace Jones. Warhol, Joey Arias was doing both at the same time, but it was, it had a real downtown sensibility and it was, um, it just, it, it the, the, he tells the stories cause he was the doorman there. And so he saw everything, you know, like the doorman sees everything. The doorman is part of everything and the drugs and the mayhem and, you know, Sid vicious when he performed my way upstairs, he was there and, you know, the, the week before he died. And uh, you know, there, there's all these stories about, you know, Princess Stephanie arrives one night and can't get in and Meatloaf can't get in and Bianca Jagger can't get in because she arrives in a limousine in a pantsuit. And that's like, no, we do not have no pantsuits allowed in the mud club. Um, there is a story. Bella Abzug came one time. Tom, I know you'll, you love Bella. And she came in one of her little hats and yeah. was like, you know, 60 years old and tootling around the dance floor. 
Um, there's a great story about how Mary Tyler Moore shows up one night. And if you remember in the 80s, I know, Fenton, you remember this, that from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock every morning, they showed Mary Tyler Moore reruns. So all the punk rockers would go home every night from the club and watch Mary Tyler Moore. So when she arrived at the Mud Club, the punk rockers just went berserk. They were like, Mary's here. Mary Richards is here. And the whole club was just up in, you know, like in, in foam and thunder because Mary Richards He was probably on Broadway doing uh, Whose Life Is It Anyway, perhaps. Perhaps at that time. Perhaps, perhaps. But it's just, it's a fascinating book. It's a, it's very detailed. Uh, so many people that we know, you know, are, are featured in it and all the Diane Brills and Stephen Sabins and Anita Sarkos and everybody has, uh, get, gets their mention and gets their due. But it's just a fascinating look at an interesting time in New York club history. And it's, uh, I can't wait to get him on the show and really just, just break it down. Awesome. That is where books are sold. Yes. <laughs> I guess Amazon. <laughs> Number two. Number two. There's a, there's a six-part Andy Warhol documentary coming out called The Andy Warhol Diaries on Netflix. I think it's March 9th. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the, the Ryan Murphy? This is the Ryan Murphy one? I wasn't going to say. Well, because <laughs> I, I mentioned this to you and you said, I will not give it any oxygen. And now well, here we are go. talking about I'm a, it. I'm a bit of bitch. That's all there is to it. No, the, the little backstory is, uh, Ryan... Um, years ago, I wrote a, a huge epic treatment, um, a 12 hours about Andy Warhol. It's like 100 pages long. Pitched it to Netflix. They're like, we would never do Andy Warhol. What are you talking you know, Art? We don't do art. We, you know, we do big shows that people watch. So then six months later, I hear that they're doing Andy Warhol. And I'm like, what? And I actually, I, I actually called them up and went in for a meeting to say, can you explain this to me, please? And uh, what did they say? You never worked at Netflix again. <laughs> they, they said, you know, it's Ryan. He gets to do what he wants. So. Well, I promise you, I will not work. sell my musical to Ryan Murphy or Netflix. But the interesting I mean, thing about it to me, though, is that the Warhol Diaries are a fascinating read and they're a yeah. lot of fun, but there's no forward momentum of plot it's just like picaresque it's just like this happened then this happened then like when how do you get i visited my it? friend carolyn strauss in the 80s in new york when she lived in soho and so it was lofts and it was crazy she had the andy warhol diaries and i read them for a week sitting on the toilet and it was the best best way to read the andy warhol diaries oh, yeah. And you know, fun fact, there the guy, is no the, story, the guy, there's no plot to it. I don't understand. No, there is no plot to it. Every time you got to go, there's a little bit more information. It was funny. Is there a plot to your diaries, James St. James? Well, I'm not making my diaries into a Ryan Murphy <laughs> miniseries. Yes. So, no, and I will never, I, I don't I don't see diaries except for Anne Frank's diary, which has a forward momentum. But no, everybody else's is just, I did this and then this and then this. The guy who did the wigs for that documentary made my wig. Oh, Isaac Davidson. He's a brilliant wigologist. Yeah, that's that's how I met him when I was looking for somebody. Um, David Dalrymple. You must know David Dalrymple. David did my costumes for Ivanka. And then he said to me, if you're looking for a Warhol wig, I know someone who's doing a Netflix thing right now. And he made my wig. Amazing. Nice. Um, Isn't isn't the big uh, headline of this is that it's a deep fake Warhol mm-hmm. 
narrating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the AI is is the voicing. Well, you know, I don't one know of the about that, was... but they but they physically had a person that I think they re. I haven't seen it yet, but they um they've reenacted a lot of the 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 diary entries, and they have yeah. a they have an actor playing Warhol. I don't know if it's his voice, but they physically have somebody dressed as him. They have they they've got reenactments. And then they have this computer, uh, you know, with the permission of the Warhol Foundation, this computer version of Warhol's voice, which that you can hear a little bit of it in the trailer. Yeah. And you can you can tell it sounds like a computer, but you know what? That's kind of cool because and Andy, would have, liked Andy would have loved it. You know. Yeah. And one of the stories, of course, is that you know while he was still alive, someone was trying to build an Andy Warhol robot, which of course Andy would have loved. So mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say he would love his voice to be created by a computer. And Andrew Rossi is the director of these six episodes. I know, James, I, you know, I said I wasn't going to watch it. Of course I'll watch it. Yes. Many, many well, times over probably. Yeah. I think Andy would have also liked Ryan Murphy. I think he would have oh, really yeah. appreciated all oh, of it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think they really would have vibed. Yeah. Oh, I think Andy would have loved RuPaul's Drag Race a lot more. Oh, and I'm not, and I'm not just been. saying that. I think you, I think you all know that too. He would have been the greatest guest judge ever. <laughs> well, you have to ask yourself. Andy actually appeared on the Love Boat in the '80s. Mm-hmm. So, in, if you were alive today, would it, would he be on American Horror Story or RuPaul's Drag Race? I leave you there. I, I think he'd be there. on RuPaul's Drag Race because he would love to do the runway when you introduce the guest judges. Like Andy would have loved that. You know, he was a fashion model in the '80s. He was signed. Sure. The last Jordan. public um, appearance he did was walking in a fashion show, right? Right at the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was with Click, wasn't he? Net and Ford. Uh, <laughs> he it. was with Ford models. <laughs> and Tom, what do you think? I don't care. Well, <laughs> drag race going back in. I'm back in. I heard a drag race reference, and I'm what? 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 <laughs> we're going to take one quick break, and then we're going to come back and reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton with James and Tom and our very special guest Ryan Raftery. Yeah, Ryan, you're number one. Hey. Number one. Baby. Oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> Congratulations. You are 10. You are you're a winner, baby. Up. I've you're always 10, wanted you to are hear seven, that. You are five. You are one. You are all the numbers Congratulations. Today. You're a winner, baby. You are 10. Wow. You are Wolowski. <laughs> number one. Um, so last few nights of the performance of The Trial of Andy Warhol, uh, Saturday is sold out. So uh, I think there's two more performances, right? Yeah, March 8th and 9th and 12th. And um, I don't know if there are any seats left for the 12th, but sometimes they release them. I'm not involved in that. But I would but love I, to I think they're going to make it, it into a movie, right? We are, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. This will be a great movie. Andy needs to sing. The world needs to hear Andy sing. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for this week on The Wow Report on Radio Andy, Sirius XM. Thanks for listening. You can check out previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. And God willing, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. <laughs>